to the official podcast of the Canberra Raiders. Habili off the Caesar. Now he puts a kick out. Croak is there again. Oh, Jared Croker! What a catch by the skipper! Come join us as we go Behind the Limelight. Welcome to another Cam Raiders podcast, Behind the Limelight. I'm Raider Nick and joined once again by our usual podcast panellist, Ben Pollock. Welcome back, Tommy Logan from last week. Yeah, cheers, mate. It's good to be back. Uh, another win as well on the road. Massive win. We'll go straight into it, Jens. Canberra 46, the Warriors 12, 30 points to nil at half time. Plenty to be impressed about. Another duck egg for another half of football where Canberra didn't concede a point. Warriors no slouch, especially up there with the Dalian Player of the Year. They handled them very, very well. And some. Yeah, I thought they were really, really impressive. It was a, a great team performance. Um, I thought that the, the forwards laid that um, foundation early in the game and allowed the, the outside backs to get involved and, and score some pretty good tries. I think uh, through all of our front row managed to get across the line. C.S. opened it up um, with that with that wonderful run. Showed he's got a bit of life in the legs yet. Well, you know your attack's going well if, you're, right. if your two props and score you, the first two right. tries. Josh Parley um, scored a try and then uh, Josh Hodgson sealed one for the front row club uh, later in the game when he when he scored a try in his 100th match. But Tom, you were there. Tell us a bit about uh, what the feeling was like um, leading into the game uh, and, and what it was like after. Yeah, uh, look, for the whole week, uh, morale was very high, especially off the back of that win Penrith. But the whole week, everyone just – there's something about when the team goes away on sort of those long trips. They they really they really bond together and they they tend to train really well and they also just seem to enjoy each other's company so well, they, much. They, they take that out on the field, don't they? Yeah, they do. You, you can just feel it. Yeah. And I think I think there was before the game though there was a bit of nerve because I think the team felt that you know they'd had a really good time away it was a short turnaround but you know they just enjoyed each other's company so much but then for them to go out there and play like that and get the win it, it really speaks a lot of volume about the character within the squad especially this year. What I really liked about the performance was there's some guys there that had big games that have been going along quite well but hadn't really um, you know showcased their full potential. Uh, and Joe Tarpanow, I thought, was absolutely mm. outstanding Best in that game. game. He mm. played forty the full 40 minutes. He got challenged on, on the field by Brett White to get the first 40 out. Uh, and he stood up to that challenge. And I, I thought that was his best game. And, and when he's playing well, it just gives us another dimension in that middle third of the field. Mm. And I just thought he was fantastic. Josh Hodgson's taking his game to different levels every week. We're finally seeing uh, the best of what he has to, to provide. And, um, you know, and, and obviously that takes the pressure off the halves. And... Jack White and Aiden Caesar just went out there and, and did their jobs and uh, off the back of what Hodge was able to create. Starting to really mould into a football team now. Gents, you mentioned Tarps. On the other side, you've got Johnny Bateman. He can run a hole. He can lurk wide. He can kind of put someone else through a hole. He can beat a tackle. He can offload in a tackle. Mm-hmm. He's such a tradesman to the game and it's just we're starting to really warm into this kind of last final run of the season, which is a bit of a rugby league obstacle course, if you will. The reigning champs are in town this week. Match day sponsor McDonald's, big game, 2 o'clock Sunday. If you haven't gone to a game all year, this one's the game to go to. Raiders v. the Roosters, how exciting. Yeah, it's going to be massive. Um, you know, there, there's uh, indications that there's going to be a massive crowd, somewhere between 80, 18 to 20,000. Um, so there's plenty of um, opportunity for people to still jump online, grab their tickets and and be a part of what will be one of the games of the season. It's a super Sunday, really, when you look at the game we've got um, and then it leads into the, yes. the Storm Rabbitohs. Yes. So, you know, Finals footy comes it's early. A, it's, it's two massive games and, and for us it's a huge game because we've got a really tough run home uh, and the more wins we can chalk up in the next five weeks, uh, the more that goes for us towards securing a top four finish, which is where you want to be come finals time. This is where you want to be. You want to be playing the top teams now. I think 
uh, we're in a position now where we would have to mathematically do well to not miss the finals. So we're, we're now going to see sort of, I guess, the Raiders up against the best teams and it's really sort of going to be, I guess, a good preview heading into the finals. Righto. Let's have a look. He's coming off the bench last week, John Croyder. Oh, he said Hodgson for a effort. try, a try assist and a one-on-one Steel. strip and he got the hat trick. Chiching, chiching. That? That's the, the hat trick. I think there. I missed out. I think I had Elliot the score. So. I can't remember what I had. I have to check, <laughs> have to check the table. Anyway, what have you got for us this week, Benny? Well, mate, I'm going for a forward again. Um, I think off the back of a really strong performance, like I said last weekend, I think Joe Tarpany uh, to score um, the opening try of the game, not just the try, the opening mm. try. A nice little um, bit of footwork at the line down on the Roosters' territory. He'll get the first four pointer this weekend. Yeah, I think Mick Kotrick back in the side. He's going to be. He's going to be. Hungry, especially after missing the last few weeks of footy, and I reckon he's going to come out firing and absolutely really torment the Roosters down on his side and probably bag a try. Mine last week was Rapana for two. He got one, so I'll take half a point. I think I might take my ticket into this week as well and get Rapana for at least a try. I know it's a soft option back in a winger for a try, but I think Raps will have a really good game and really come out of his shell this year and have a blinder and set up a nice run home for the man. There's so many good matchups in this game across yeah. the across the park. I mean, you look, Johnny Croy just walked past he's there. He's very happy with himself the after last up, week. Big smile on his face. It's such a such a good matchup right <laughs> across the field. I think both teams have got um, aggression in the middle third of the field. Mm. Um, obviously, where Hargraves is, is fresh after a week off through suspension. Um, we know how good Josh Papali's playing. Um, the halves battle, Cooper Cronk and, yeah. and Luke Keary up against uh, Jack White and Aiden Caesar is a, is a great one. Um, you've also got um, out wide, the veteran Brett Morris, you know, some pretty good form as well. Patrick last so, week. Yeah, going really well. We talk about selections. It's going to be a massive headache for, for Coach Ricky Stewart because some players starting to come back and players, you know, like, like Bailey Simonson might be forced into mount. He's in, and that's got a hard decision. He's been on fire. Yeah, well, like you said, it's a real tough decision because uh, there's so many good players that are now available to play footy. Hudson Young, mm. as he walks past he there, back, the he's back, the He's back. Flexing his muscles. <laughs> We've got him back. Uh, you know, Ryan Sutton's knocking on the door again um, after a, BJ's you know, a not calf too far. injury. Joey Lailua's, um, you know, going to be in the mix at some point. Um, so, you know, it's, it's really exciting times. And, and Nick Kotrick, as you said, back this week after three weeks. So, well, if you're listening, get out and support the boys. Two o'clock kickoff this Sunday. The game of the year, the Raiders v. the Roosters. Look, the champs are in town. Go out and watch some football. What gates open at 11.30? Gates open at 11.30. Yeah, there's a uh, couple of NRL touch footy semifinals happening. As you mentioned, match day sponsor McDonald's. The boys will be wearing the missing person socks this week. They the yellow ones. A, a I gr- saw really those. great cause. Um, yeah, and the boys will um, obviously run on there just after 2 o'clock in, uh, in what's going to be you know a Viking clap full of 20,000 people. It's going to be exciting. A Viking clap from Planet X. Oh, I can't wait. Bring it on. <laughs> And for the first time on the Behind the Limelight podcast, Jackie Whiten. G'day, Jackie. Hey, mate. How you going? Mate, I'm real good, mate. First of all, congratulations for the year that you've had so far, mate. Uh, Origin debut. I remember I was watching, looking at the team photo, the Origin, the Blues photo, one morning before game one, and it's like, oh, look at these big names in there, and Freddie Fittler and Blocker Roach is there, and wow, at the back there's Jackie Whiten. Mate, run us through that experience of, of you, the young kid, Wanting to play rugby league one day and then getting to rugby league, wanting to play for Origin one day and then achieving that childhood dream this year. Yeah, it was, uh, it was pretty massive, mate. Um, you know, it's something we all strive for and it's, uh, it's, it's uh, you know, it's always in the back of your head over the years and going through grade and I'm getting a little bit older and I've blown a couple of chances here and there. So to really get that chance this year, it, um, it, was, uh, it, was, it was amazing, mate. Dream come true, you know, and I, I think... 
uh, I really worked hard over the last 12 months and that so just uh, to get that chance and um, take it with both hands was 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 amazing. What has it done for your confidence coming back into the NRL? We, we've all spoken about whether it's on the radio or on this podcast saying that we can't wait to see Jack White and come back to the NRL, to the Raiders and bring back experience and grow another leg and without embarrassing you Jackie, the last couple of weeks you've really had a really good presence on the field now. You're popping up at the right time. You're leading the team. You're leading, leading that edge around and always starting things. And you scored a couple of good tries. You're taking on the line. Uh, I hope it's like that, mate. Um, I don't know if it was just uh, really enjoying my football. Um, you know, it's uh, getting a little bit older and, uh, you know, the game's slowing down a little bit more to me, you know, and I'm starting to understand a bit more. And I've got good blokes around me and I've had a lot of good help from, from Stick and, and the coaching staff this year. So that's been a massive help too. When you first got named at six at the start of the year, Jackie, I spoke to Campo, interviewed Campo on the radio and because and he was partnering you the first time that Sticky tried that when he first came here. And without embarrassing you again, Campo just kind of said, yeah, the guy, he'd get a little bit nervous and worry too much about kicking and attacking and Campo just told you just to run. What did you learn from that first experiment at, at in the halves compared to now? Uh, I really couldn't take much out of that one, mate. You know, I was, I was I was all over the shop, and then he just he um he chucked me in the deep end in the halves. I had no no real practice, and uh, to be fair, I um probably wasn't um enough of a leader back then to take that role on. You know, so it's a different story this time. I, I focus hard in the preseason of um, leading the boys around, and um, as you just said, getting on me kicking game and all that kind of thing on point, and uh, that I built a lot of confidence out of that. So yeah. Did playing a couple of seasons at fullback really help you today in regards to positional play and, and actually counting numbers and whatnot and, and getting the, the chat up and the talk? Yeah, um, definitely, mate. You know, it's, it's a massive talk and roll, but I think just um, just where I'm finishing my sets and that, you know, I, I really really go off where I didn't want to start my sets as a, as a fullback and I know how hard it is when, we, when you're buried down in the corner and you've got to start your sets there with a lot of pressure on you, so that's where I try and finish, um, finish our sets mostly now, so that was one of the things I took out of that. Mate, this week, your captain, good mate of yours, Jared Croker, 250 first-grade games. Obviously, you're quite close with him. What does he mean to you as a mate, as a captain, and what does he mean to the club in general? Um, mate, he's, he's, uh, he's a great player on the field and he's a better bloke off it, you know. He's, um, he's always there, he'll give you ears if you, if you need anything, you know, and he's got a lot of experience and um, yeah, he's, I don't know, he's just a great bloke, mate, you um, He's helped me through the years, as you, as you said, we're, we're good mates and uh, it's been coming for a few weeks, this 250, but now it's here, it still just blows me away that someone's so young and um, as it is achieving this this weekend, so oh, I can't wait to take the park with him, mate. Who are the guys that you see in the sheds putting their boots on and you look around and think, well, we're going to be okay today because we've got him? Who are those kind of guys? Is Toots uh, one of those guys? Yeah, you've got your Elliot Whiteheads, Johnny Batemans, uh, Joshy Hodgson, as you know, and... Um, uh, Croaks is right up there. He, he's been safe for years, and he, he gives me a lot of confidence. And um, I know he's got me outside, and uh, he knows I got his back on the inside. So I love taking the park with him. Mate, the Roosters this week. The champs are in town. They're really some chalking up some big wins, and obviously one from one to seventeen. There's not many weaknesses in that team. How excited are you going up against blokes like Hearing and Cronk, and just having the Roosters? But the Roosters in your backyard. Yeah, no, it's going to be good, mate. You know, it's going to be, as everyone says, it's going to be a really tough challenge and um, good test for us to see where we're really at. And uh, So I'm excited, mate, so we'll see how we go. Out of all positions you've played so far, you've played fullback, you've been on the sting in the centres, probably played a bit of lock in the halves now. What's the most enjoyable that you've played so far? Mate, I love my, I love my left centre. Um, as we said, me, me old mate Tudor's always had that ear, you know, and I, um, 
I never get around him for that. So um, I, I, I'm loving the halves, and I don't want, I don't want, to, I don't really want to change. So I'm just going to keep trying to learn all the tricks of the trade of um, this position, and uh, hopefully can stay there. You mentioned playing in the centres. Obviously, you picked it to play there for the Blues. How nervous were you going into the game? Obviously, it's a big game being Origin, but having to play a position that you probably haven't played recently. And what was it like in compared to NRL? Um, yeah, well, to be fair, I had my days where I was really nervous and that, but. You have a lot of good blokes around you and um, good coach and staff, you know. If them followers have got faith in you, it means you're there for a reason. So that's the way I looked at it and I just um, went in all guns blazing and then, hey, you know, it was a, it was a real real good experience and uh, something I'll never forget. When someone says to you, whether it's Freddie Fitleroy and you're the New South Wales staff, say, hey, mate, you really deserve to be here, what does that do for your confidence and your stress levels? <laughs> mate, that, um, just I mean, alleviates a lot of stuff off your shoulders, doesn't it? That's what it's all about, mate, you know, just the... Yeah, some of the greats of the game, basically Joey Johns and Freddie and all them people, Craig Fitzgibbon, they're all, all idols of mine growing up. If they if they got the faith in you, um, you know you're doing something right and, and you do deserve to be there. So yeah. What'd you learn off Joey? Um, no, I don't know. He, he's a great bloke, mate. You know, and he's um he's got a crazy mind. If you if you watch him and listen to him, and uh, he, he's very unique, old Joey. But he sees it like <laughs> yeah, he's the man. See stuff we don't see. He's the man, definitely. All right, Jackie, thanks very much for joining us, mate, on the Behind the Walmart podcast. All the best against the Roosters on the weekend, mate. And if you keep doing what you're doing, mate, I'm sure you'll kill it, mate. Cheers for finally, for finally having me, brother. What Celebrating the 30th anniversary of the Green Machine's epic 1989 Grand Final victory. This week we go back in time to 89 with the man that took the club to their first premiership. Back in 1989, quite naturally, the man that revolutionised the game, not just on the playing field, but on the training paddock as well. G'day, it's Raider Nick, and we go back in time to 89 with the coach, the man, the legend, Tim Sheen. Uh, good morning, Nick. Well, good afternoon for you guys. Yeah. <laughs> Sheenzy, we've got plenty to get through. We've got plenty to ask you. We'll get straight into it. Uh, look, 87, the club makes the grand final. Don Ferner, Wayne Bennett, they, they both move on. And you finish up at Penrith over there and you make your way to Canberra. A pretty good season by the club. Uh, some some really good players in there. Of course, Mal in and out of the team, though. But blokes like Peter Jackson, the late great Peter Jackson, was in there. And yeah. you've, been, you've been kind of stated a few times that that was probably one of the better teams on paper that you had at the Raiders. The great Arthur Beetson came out one time and said, in a lack of a better phrase, if if there was a team that probably stuffed it, it was probably the Raiders in 88. There was no disheart, though, from the Canberra community and the Raiders fans. It was like a year that we can bow out and, and get ready for 1989. Mm. We get to 89. Yeah, well, you know, yeah. And we it, get to 89. It was interesting. I'll, I'll get back to 88 and this Nick. I can for a sec. Yep. Toddy, Brent Todd broke his arm in pre-season also, uh, and I brought down Brian Batiste from Canterbury and mm. started with Brian, and then I like the look of this young Lazarus kid, so yeah. I give him a game, and then he went on to be something, uh, obviously. So, um, yeah, there were a, a lot of those sorts of changes. And at the end of the year, we finished Bradley Clyde playing in the centres uh, for Mal Meninga, who broke his arm again, mm. um, came back and broke it again. So... Uh, I think Mal only played five games that year, 88. Yeah. So that was a huge, a huge change for us, um, not having him out in the centres. And, um, you know, at the, and I remember the Jimmy Woodgey getting up um, in the, uh, the presentation night and saying how disappointed they were to 
because they finished third. You know, this is a club that prior to the year before, 87, hadn't got anywhere near it, you know, yeah. and wouldn't spoon first year and were just perennial, you know, fill in. So that, that disappointed me a bit. Did the angst of what you just mentioned of 88, did you kind of come in with an extra carrot coming into 89? Think- Young Bradley Clyde and, and Laurie Daly were known by every club in Sydney, although there weren't managers to, the, to the, uh, that stage. There were no real managers running around mm. like that either day. So the clubs had a better chance of hanging on to their own place. And remember, too, we're part-time. We're still playing. Yeah. And everyone was still working. So people didn't want to leave their district. They wanted to play for their club like those guys did. But... Yeah, you know, um, the 87-88 was certainly a platform. And, and, of course, the funny thing about 88, why Jimmy stood up was because when you finish second, you want to finish first the next year. You, you, yeah. The higher up the table you go, it's been my experience, the more expectation on the, the team for the following year. 89, uh, that was why in 89 we, we lost the first two. Mal was still recovering from his shoulder and uh, Gary was um, – Gary Belcher didn't play, and we lost the first two. And the board met and discussed uh, moving me as a coach. Wow. So um, that's a story. Not uh, I tell occasionally, but it's not um, it's not widely known. Uh, but then we went on and won the um, the next seven, I think, uh, straight, and that uh, that shut it down. And old Les McIntyre wasn't at that meeting, and I remember Les um, uh, after the seven after the seven wins, I asked to speak to the board. And I uh, wanted to know right then and there was, you know, were they still of the mind to move me? And Les obviously didn't know about it because he asked the question, what are you talking about? And anyway, he said, well, ever I'm here, you're here. So that shut everyone down. And mm. I, um, I always remember all this for that and thank him for it. And, yeah, he stood by me. One big change you made throughout the year, though, uh, Dean Lance not outing him. He mentioned on this actual show that mm. he got, you know, yeah. he put it back into seconds because his form, he, he probably struggled with the pace a little bit, but he said that was a bit of a whirlwind. It made me actually a better player, not having the responsibility as captain. You choose Mal Meninga. Yeah. He was, he, the man in stature mm. just walks into a room and, and can just lead lead a room, influence a room in without even having to say a mm. word. It was probably straightforward, but were you always going to put Mal as captain? No, it wasn't. It wasn't straightforward at all. Not by a long shot. After those couple of losses, we had uh, had seven wins, and then we get in around June, which is state of origin time, and uh, we lose uh, five, six, I think, of our next eight, Mm. and uh, we're in real trouble, you know. And you could you could sense we were struggling. We'd lost confidence, and so it was a mid-season slump. So I had to make I had to do something, and Dean. Dean is as passionate as a man you'd ever see. Um, if I had two passionate players in the club at the time, it was him and Craig Bellamy, and both ended yeah. up. I ended up both giving them coaching roles when they finished, gave yeah. them their first coaching roles in the club. Um, but Dean was, um, well, as I said to him, was traffic copying. Uh, he was telling other people what to do. His own form had started to slip, and he was, you know, panicking that things were going backwards for us, particularly when the rep players were away. Yeah. Anyway, um, so I. You know, I sat and thought about it and thought, well, Dean needs to play better, obviously, because he was the forward leader and um, and I needed to get more out of Mal. Um, I didn't think Mal was playing all that strong uh, either. He was sitting in the centres. You know, it's hard to get involved in the centres. In that in those days, it was mm. sort of centres played together still, you know. Yeah. Uh, there was a bit of that still in, the, in our game. So, um, although Mal, most times Mal sat on that right side, but still... Um, and he didn't like the captaincy. Uh, Wayne had tried to give him the captaincy at Souths in um, in Brisbane, and, 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 and as far as I'm aware, 
I'm pretty sure I'm right. He he he, he resisted it, resisted it, and resisted it. You know, he wasn't he wasn't the sort of guy that wanted to be up front, and he wasn't that sort of. But he was a, you know, I wanted him to lead by example. You know, he was our star player. So I needed more from him, and I needed Dean to just concentrate on his footy. So we got started. Um, we had a, a couple of problems with it, uh, and then we went on to win every game from then on. And Mal led by example through that. By that I mean, you know, often. Um, he would um, take the kick off, you know, to get himself involved in the game. He never looked back as far as captaincy. And Dean, you know, played the 89 and 90 seasons and uh, was was brilliant. We get to grand final day, Tim, the Tigers, they were there in 88. They they lost against the Bulldogs. They were probably expected to win. They were hungry as hell to, to take the, the premiership in 89. This young Canberra team who won the hearts of the yeah. league world. They became everyone's second team. Nobody nobody gave him any hope, you know, even looking at the grand no. final breakfast. It was just, uh, here's Mal Meninga and here's Gary Belcher and uh, here's the rest of them. Yeah. Uh, that kind of thing. The and of them, all yeah. the focus yeah. was on the Tigers. The boys took a bit of offence to that. And, um, yeah, it's funny how little things can, you know, I can thank the media for that, I suppose, or the present, the presenter at the, um, at the grand final breakfast who just didn't know them by face. And particularly in their... Uh, in their green jumpers, you yeah. Know. There well, was there was no, a, no way they could tell who was who. They always talk about in the modern in any in any game of football at any level, a try right on half time can just absolutely kill your spirits and deflate you. And that they concede that try yeah, yeah, zero. The bounce, the be- Going into half time yeah, at twelve points to two was a shocker. Bounce was a shocker. Mm. Down twelve two at half time, and Lazo and, mm. and Boxhead talk about how they were a little disheartened. They were kicking rocks a little bit. What was the? No. How did you brief the guys? What What were you feeling in saying how am I going to control this and, and, and get the boys out there to to believe in themselves? Well, the main the main thing I think is we felt, and I, I made the point straight away that we were the better side, and and every and from most of the guys, particularly the experienced guys, um, you got you got the look to say, yeah, you know, it didn't have to be a, an, a, even a, a word said. It was just the look. You know, when you're, when you're in trouble and you've played poorly, your heads are down, yeah. you know. But, you know, when I, when I made that comment, which was probably the first comment I made, you know, we were, we've been the better side, you know. And, um, you know, if you talked about, and we didn't do as much for them as I do now, you know, field position, uh, time in your opponent's 20, uh, you, know, you know, control of the ball and other things, you know, we had been the better side. There's no doubt. Um, and I'd still, without even checking the stats, I'd still argue that today. However, you know, Toddy throws a pass. He hasn't thrown one all year, you know, um, on a on a get-out set. And uh, the bounce, that's all it was. So, you know, the, I think, I don't always say a lot at halftime because they don't remember it. They don't need to hear a lot. Mm. I spoke to a lot of them individually. Um, and uh, overall, though, I think they believed that, they were still in the game, but obviously we had to score first and we talked about that. We needed to defend well, don't give them another opportunity and get back into the game. So, you know, we went back out and uh, and gradually built that pressure behind, you know, the leather ball was still being used then, obviously, and Ricky Stewart's kicking game was just uh, dynamic, you know. He could he could punch a ball down downfield to his left or his right and find touch when he needed to, you know, and... Um, he was um, he was keeping us in the game. The, the the footy stadium was as hard as concrete. You know, if you look at this, nothing like the stadiums today. It had been well used all year, and uh, yeah, it was hard. And he and he, he he made a lot of ground with his kicking game, and that was probably the reason. In fact, one of the reasons, one of two in particular, one is passing into his kicking. That's why he gained first grade in '88, the latter part of the year, over over guys like um, Ivan and. Kevin Wallace and other people that we had in that position. What did you see 
in Steve Jackson. I mean, he played, I think he played one game all year. He debuted actually against the Tigers, I think, quite ironically. Mm. And you, you, we yeah. talk about the educated rugby league man knows that there wasn't probably much video on him and the Tigers would have just seen him as a bit of a wild card and didn't know really how to approach him. But mm. what did you see in, yeah. in, in Jacko to put him out there in, in a grand final, in a tied grand final, for him to go out there and do what he did? That was a masterstroke without embarrassing you there, Tim. Oh, turned out to be, uh, you know, you can't, you can't, you don't think he's going to score a try like that to win your grand final an extra time. But um, Steve was a big, strong, fast uh, front rower, back rower. You know, he was built like a front rower, but he had the speed of back rower, which is why I, I've always had a, you know, where possible, I've always liked to put speed into position. You know, if you're a winger, a quick winger, if you're a front rower, quick for front row. Um, so why I went to Lazarus, who was basically a back rower slash front rower. Um, but Steve had played uh, one game, and I think about four interchange, and it was towards the back end, and he went all right. You've got to remember, two interchange, once they're on, they couldn't, yeah. you know, once you'd interchange, you couldn't change. So that you makes to, it more so impressive. You had to look carefully. Uh, yeah, well, you had to be sure as to what you were going to do. And I think I, it was Brent Todd who I replaced with um, with him and just add a little bit of impact and speed. He was He was a handful to put on the ground just carrying the ball. That's all I expected him to do. Was just carry the ball and and um, and support Glenn. The way it happened with the uh, with the run um, was, you know, just you know, they come from a, a, a little chip through that we picked up. Now picked up a quick play of the ball, and he just bounced through a, a broken line of defence and did it really well. But you know, you, you live and die sometimes by by your bench, uh, particularly these days when they become it's a seventeen man game these days more so than then. But um, yeah, he he came on and. You know, as as it turned out, he's um, he's he's got that to have a beer for the rest of his life. <laughs> yeah, well, he had, he had <laughs> a big weekend down here too. Well, he had a big weekend. I tell you what, <laughs> getting taught, getting pulled by the media Why everywhere. He? Why wouldn't he? And that that, that ten meter runs yeah. getting longer and longer and longer each year. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that's fantastic. Right. Look, we win the yeah. game. The Canberra Raiders, the first team to win the premiership outside the Sydney Metropolitan. Uh, it was almost yeah. like a Disney story, of course, throughout the year. So many subplots there, Mal, with his broken arms. Yeah, well, um, well, of course, obviously we didn't. We were on edge the whole game because it was only in the last minute or so that we we scored the um, the equaliser. And obviously, there'd been the the, the Neil ankle tap and the Ben Elias uh, yeah. uh, attempted field goal hitting the crossbar that had my heart in there. Yeah, that was the game was over at that point. Had they scored, I would have thought. Sheenzy, I asked a lot of the players. I even asked Bill Harrigan today, and even some of the commentators that took part in the nineteen eighty nine grand final experience. Is there something right. you take out of that game metaphorically and apply to your life today? From my coaching point of view, in particular, is just is that anything can happen if you if you persevere. Um, you know, I suppose I've been in when you're in the game long enough. You've had you've had your your backside smacked. Um, yeah, you probably had someone put 50 past you. You've you've put 50 past other sides. You've had narrow losses, and um, and narrow wins. You've had unfair decisions, and you've had decisions go your way. You know the whole gambit, and that turns you into a professional coach and professional players. That's why I always used to say the players are 100 games, and you'll have you'll have had all that happen to you, including injury and a visit to the hospital and probably some surgery. All of those things just come put it down to experience, I think, Nick. And at that point, you know, it probably settled me down somewhat, gave me some confidence, definitely. But as a coach, it was just, you know, anything can happen. You've just got to persevere. There will be days when 
it doesn't happen for you. Yeah. I remember Laurie used to say, um, as as his career went on, he, he used to say, look, you know, we just weren't good enough on the day. That didn't mean he lost confidence in himself or the, or the team. And it was pretty much the same for me. From Sometimes you're just not good enough on the day for whatever mm-hmm. reason. You have injuries, you have uh, some decisions go against you, you have three guys with the flu that turn up on the day, you know, you've, mm. you've uh, you, you, just about life. everything that can yeah. happen happens. It is, it is. And from the point of view of football, it just, you know, just put your head down, do your best on the day. And if it doesn't happen, it doesn't happen. You come back next week. So, you know, uh, winning a grand final, winning all those series, uh, that final series, you know, was just a, a game by game. And that probably week by week and that's how probably I lead my uh, football life these days anyway and generally life generally because you know you get to a point and get to my age you start to realise that uh, you're closer to the end of it than the, uh, the, cl- the start of it so you just re- re- enjoy your week enjoy your, your, your day by day scenarios yeah without embarrassing you Tim you look at the modern game now the coaches that are that are coaching and are, that are succeeding in our, in our game and you, you mentioned Craig Bellamy even blokes like Madge Maguire who's had his second stint Obviously, Ricky, Dave Furner's had a crack. You obviously got the rep level with Mal, the Australian coach, and Kevy, Queensland. Laurie's been there at New South Wales, and even some assistant coaches that are that are around. Uh, they all come under the, the Tim Sheen school of coaching. Do you look back as like the the the, the proud father of these guys? Oh, look, Nick. Um, yes and no, mate. I, look, I, I'm not going to take any credit for that. The, the boys were there. I was lucky to be um, yeah, to be involved with that group. You know, John McIntyre rang me, offered me the opportunity when Wayne, because the Broncos were coming in, otherwise Bennett would have been there for all of that. Chances are, anyway. So, uh, but I think from my point of view, it's just, um, you know, they were great, great players. They had smart players. They could, they understood the game. Uh, I learned from them and they learned from me, I think. But whether or not that meant that they're all going to go off and be coaches. I think Ricky Stewart said to me one day about, I said, what are you going to do? He said, oh, I don't think I could coach. I said, why not? He said, well, I don't know what I'm going to do before I do it. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> he was a bit that way with his game, you know. Um, but we worked and worked and worked on it because he'd come out of rugby mainly and his main, his main start to his main career was just pass and kick, pass and kick and compete. You know, he was his ultimate competitor. Mm. Hadn't played as much rugby league as, say, Peter Jackson or, or Laurie Daly and those sorts of players. So they, but they, they went on. Some of them are like I, do, I wouldn't have picked Laurie to be the commentator of the years, let alone the coach. So yeah. <laughs> he never wanted to move to Sydney. He said, uh, "I'll never go to Sydney." So you know, things change. But um, I, I'm just pleased to, to have said that I, I had a part of their career, and and then we did some some good things together. The next couple of years are going to be great because we got next year as well, haven't we? Ninety. And of course, congratulations on being inducted in the Cam- inaugural Canberra Raiders Hall of Fame at the start of the year. Do you look at that? Uh, obviously, you received that during the week there from from JR. Do yeah. you look at that and do you look yes. at that with good feelings? I certainly do, Nick. Um, it was a great time in my life from the point of view of my football. Um, you know, uh, I grew up as I grew up as much as they did. To be quite honest, I'd only been coaching for four years. I was a young coach, uh, never coached. Went from playing to coaching, so you know, uh, I did. A, I left a regional group at Penrith. That Penrith group come back to haunt me in ninety ninety one. But um, I, but it was just um, a great time for me to be at that club. Yeah, in the right time. Sometimes, as I was saying, better a lucky coach than a good coach because if you're lucky to be in the right spot at the right time, and you're good enough, you can become a good coach. So, mm. And they were they were 
they were the right group of people. I mean, how do you see the current day squad? It's funny, you know, um, the 89 side um, averaged uh, for the season uh, 20, nearly 21 points a game scored and, and 13 against. Uh, the current squad after round 17 is 21 points four and 14.5 against. So it's almost, wow. almost a carbon copy. Um, of our 89 season. So, um, yeah, I wish them well. And uh, they've got a good group. He's got a good bond. He, and that's what we had in 89 and 88, 90. You know, grew, grew up together, a lot of the younger folks, and um, became men together. And uh, this, this group are doing the same thing. Do you still have that little inner, inner pumping of the green blood, Tim? Mate, I've got a, a room full of green memorabilia. So, yes, <laughs> I do. Well... Tim Sheens, it was it was great to chat. We could talk rugby league and Raiders all day. Thank you very much for spending the time to join us here on the Behind the Limelight show as we go back to 89 and also relive some of those wonderful Canberra Raiders memories where you were a part of. Thanks very much, Nick. Much appreciated.